global stock route eases. that is the headline this morning. good morning. this is the power and market report for friday, february twelfth. i'm albert lu well, after a tough trading day yesterday, things turned around asia lost roughly two percent overnight but things turned around in europe with those markets rallying roughly two percent we are about ten minutes before trading begins here and things are looking up here as well. dow futures up one thirty eight or point eight eight percent s and p futures up one percent. so things are looking good at the end of a very tough week Yesterday, uh, we had Janet Yellen uh, continuing her testimony, uh, this time with the Senate. And once again, I caught part of it. It was on all of the news channels. Uh, another uninspiring talk. Uh, but one thing that was interesting about that talk is someone brought up the possibility of negative interest rates in the U.S. The day before, she didn't really uh, seem to uh, warm on the idea. But she did elaborate a little bit yesterday, said that they'd look into it said that uh, based on the, I guess, relatively good experience of uh, central banks in Europe, that this would be a possibility. And right away you have to wonder. I know she didn't bring this up purposefully. This was in a Q&A. But the fact that she didn't just dismiss it, the fact that she said we're, we're looking at it and uh, it is a possibility has to say a lot. Because if you're, if you're of the opinion that the market is in good shape, and that the Fed has lifted off and is in the beginning of a rate hiking cycle that is going to encompass, uh, I don't know, seven more rate hikes. Why would you even entertain the idea of having uh, negative interest rates? It's uh, just a, an admission. I think that uh, even a rate pause would not be enough. And uh, even going back down to 25 basis points would not be enough. They're actually talking about going down to zero. So I want to get back to that a little bit later. Uh, but uh, banks have been suffering, obviously, and I'm going to play an interview a little bit uh, later on with, uh, with an emerging markets analyst, and it, it was very interesting. Basically, I think the market is wondering, or is somewhat surprised, at how poorly the financials are doing. Um, if you think about it, coming out of 08 with, with the recovery and the recapitalization of the banks, uh, a lot of people were saying that this is all behind us, the banks are strong, they're stress tested, yet uh, our intuition uh, based on you know, Austrian economics says that look, if they didn't liquidate the past mistakes and they're just going to continue blowing up a new bubble, then the crisis that comes next is going to be much worse. Uh, but it was difficult to, to really kind of tease out the details from that. Direct exposure to oil, which was uh, you know, obviously an enormous bubble, doesn't seem that high, especially with the big banks. Uh, what I, numbers I've seen are, I think, lower than 3% of their exposure is to energy. You have regional banks uh, that are higher, obviously, 10 to 15%, but these are regional banks. Not, you don't, we wouldn't expect a massive contagion from that. Uh, but what it seems like is that uh, energy was not the only beneficiary of uh, this uh, low interest rate policy or ultra-low interest rate policy. The search for yield took investors to emerging market equities and emerging market debts. And this appears to be a significant problem. And so I want to play this interview. It was a Bloomberg interview with Murat Koprulu. And I apologize for butchering his name. He is a, a independent emerging markets analyst who consults for hedge fund group in the US. And uh, they were talking to him 
about the, the global nature of the banking crisis that seems to be uh, upon us now. Stock market. Yeah, yeah. I mean, something like mid-January, uh, I put up a Bloomberg Launchpad page just looking at global financials, um, what I call the dashboard. Uh, uh, banks, stocks, as well as their bonds, uh, the CDSs, uh, funding costs, um, and then other global stress indicators. Um, there are various. The Bloomberg has one also. So I mean, you know that that stress page, if you will, for global banks started flashing a lot of red, a lot of red. A lot of red, a lot of red in emerging markets. I wonder if you could explain the connection between the tumble in oil prices, the strength of the U.S. dollar, and the tumble in emerging markets. Well, it's by by, by red. I'm I'm not just mentioning emerging market stocks. I'm mentioning red uh, for U.S. banks, uh, U.K. banks, uh, Hong Kong banks. Um, European banks, you know, before Deutsche Bank ever came onto the screen, so to speak, this, these these signals were telling me that it's not just a Deutsche Bank problem or European bank problem. If you look at the Japanese bank stocks, uh, I think it's JN Bank or NJ Bank on your Bloomberg screen. Uh, that's a stock. That's an in, that's a bank index that's been falling apart since. Something like June last year, five percent, which unleashed, you know, the so-called search for yield, search for return. Where did a lot of that money end up? In emerging market equities and in emerging market debt, both bank debt and bond issuance in emerging markets. If you look at EM private sector debt today, in 2000, between 2008 and today. Emerging market private sector external debt, that is to say delineated in U.S. dollars or yen or euros, has increased by $1.3 trillion. The subprime crisis in its worst period in history in 2007 was $1.3 trillion. But I haven't even included China in that number I just gave you. You would have to add another trillion if you look at just China alone between 08 and 16. So the total nut is 2.3 trillion. Versus so that was uh, Marut Kapulu. Very interesting interview. I recommend you uh, listen to the whole thing. I'm going to put it uh, in the links below. But uh, what, are, what do we take out of that? He's been uh, looking at banks very closely since January, looking at uh, you know the cost of uh, borrowing, uh, prices on CDS. And he says that things started to really show up in January, but you could go even further back. And he noticed problems in the Japanese uh, banking sector as far back as June of, of last year. And the, the really interesting numbers that came out of there was uh, uh, emerging market external debt shooting to 1.3 trillion uh, since the last crisis. And that being essentially the, the size of subprime. Uh, back before the last crisis, which is which obviously is very disturbing. That doesn't include uh, debt denominated in their own currencies. And then he says, if you add China to that, uh, you add another trillion. That makes it 2.3 trillion. That's almost double subprime. Uh, we know that U.S. banks have a significant exposure uh, to EM, particularly Brazil, and that European banks are exposed to Russia. So you can see uh, why this problem would be global in nature. And this doesn't even add the, the, the problems that China has on its own. Uh, the piece, uh, he refers to a piece 
by Kyle Bass uh, analyzing basically the potential losses out of China due to their banking sector. He estimates that those are, uh, I think, 400%, four times that of the subprime crisis. Uh, so this is obviously an enormous problem. Uh, people who maintain that the banks are healthy, and you've probably heard these arguments if you watch mainstream news, the banks are healthy, they've been recapitalized aggressively since 2008, they've been stress tested, and that's all true. Uh, but uh, the stress tests, uh, are they applicable? Are they relevant? Do they stress the things that are problematic now? Uh, just a, a shock in the equity markets is probably not enough. You have to extend that to sovereign debt and uh, a spike in interest rates. And I don't know if they've done that. It looks like they haven't. Uh, the other thing is uh, uh, the argument that you often hear is that, look, the government, these banks are too important. Governments are not going to allow them to fail. You're probably right. But that doesn't mean that investors are going to survive. Uh, the bank surviving is not the same thing as uh, investors surviving. And if you think about banks, I can't think of any other industry that's hated as much as banks are right now. Banks are hated uh, by the public. They're even hated by their shareholders, hated by their customers, hated by their employees, hated by the government. <laughs> Everyone hates these banks. So if, if we get into a, a real crisis where bailout is recovered, what are the chances that they're going to bail out common equity? They're not. They just can't. It's politically uh, impossible. And the other thing is, sure, they've built up their books, but the fact that, for instance, in Europe, that they're going to convertibles, uh, those cocos, bonds, and, and, and raising additional equity, should not be comfortable, should not make you feel comfortable as an equity investor, because think about it. Equity is, you are the shock absorber that is going to save the bank from failure, uh, but you're going to sacrifice yourself. So uh, that is, is, not, uh, is, is not a healthy scenario. And I've been uh, negative on the banks for several years now because of that. Now, how does this all end? Well, uh, obviously, there's going to be crisis. But if they go to negative interest rates in the US, this is uh, unprecedented and it will be very interesting. Uh, the fact that they're doing it in Europe, in some places in Europe, has pushed capital to the US, hence the strong dollar. Uh, but if the US does it, uh, US being sort of uh, uh, what do they say, the, the cleanest shirt in the laundry or something like that, uh, where everyone goes uh, for refuge. If we squeeze people out of the dollar, who knows what will happen. That sounds like a very bullish scenario for gold and, uh, I don't know, maybe Bitcoin. We saw when capital uh, tries to leave, it just goes all sorts of places. Uh, for instance, Chinese capital ran not only to, to U.S. Treasuries, but also to uh, worldwide uh, real estate and fuel that bubble. So who knows where this capital will run if uh, they try to do this in the U.S. So uh, very interesting uh, times ahead. Um, even though markets uh, look like they're going to open up, I don't think, I, I would be surprised if this ended up being a strong finish. You have, uh, remember China sat out uh, most of the carnage from last week basically because uh, of their holiday and we're going into a holiday weekend here. I don't think people are going to want to have a lot of risk on the table uh, on Monday. So I expect this to reverse, but I guess we'll see. Uh, that's the update for today. Have a great weekend, and until next time, take care.